my father, we come before you tonight and we just rejoice. We rejoice that you are our father. We rejoice that you have called us to be your children. We rejoice, Father, that you have filled us with the fullness of joy, that as we connect to you, that we get the strength, that we are connected with the power, with the strength, with the love of you, Almighty God. Father, tonight I pray that each one of us is open to hear, open to see, open to receive whatever you have for us. Father, I am in awe of you. I come with great expectation, knowing that as your word goes forth, that signs and wonders will follow that word, and that people walk out of here saved, healed, set free, with lives radically, abundantly changed. And we thank you ahead of time, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'm really excited to share tonight because this is something that God gave to me a while ago and I've just been holding on to it. This is the first chance I've had to be able to share it. How many of you are in a place now or maybe you've been in this place recently where you've been discouraged, where you've been waiting on the Lord? Maybe you've been coming into the knowledge of the truth about the amazing love of God, the amazing power of God. But maybe you haven't seen the result that you've been praying for yet. You've been in that place of speaking God's word over yourself and saying, I know that his promises are for me. But maybe you haven't seen the result of that prayer, the final result. That's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to, the, the, the title, if you want to give this, this message a title, is The Waiting Room Time. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're in the waiting room, like at the doctor's office, and the doctor's running late, and you're sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, it gets really, really frustrating. You might get angry. You might get discouraged. You might just want to walk out and say, you know what? You can come get me when you're ready. We've all been in those places before where that waiting room time isn't fun. Well, we're going to talk about the waiting room of waiting for the answer to the prayer that you've been holding on to, knowing that God's there, but you haven't seen it all yet. I think this is something that um, a lot of people are in this place of discouragement. That's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy, and that's what I want to do tonight. I want to expose another lie because one thing that I've seen in all of the years that we've been ministering to people, we have seen that when we expose the enemy's lies and people know that they're lies, then they can put that right under their feet and continue on and get the enemy the heck out of their way and connect with the amazing God, our God, our power source. So that's what we're going to talk about. And the first thing I want to say is there's some really, really good news. Ken's been passing out those sheets. I don't know if everybody's gotten one. Ken, if this is a problem, just say so, because if it's, if it's distracting in any way, I don't want to use this. Okay, so just let me know. Okay. On the sheets that I gave to you, there are a couple of statements right at the top. And the first one, it says, faith is hope on fire. Faith is hope on fire. I have this little dish in my kitchen. And that's what it says on this little dish. And last week I was talking to a friend, a very good friend who's a pastor, and I was telling him what I was going to share about tonight. And he said, he's, a, he's a, a man who just has amazing words of knowledge and wisdom from God. And as I was talking to him, he stopped and he said, as you give that word, Cindy, hope is going to rise up in people that were hopeless. Hope is going to rise up. Hope is like the birthplace of faith. We talk a lot about faith. We talk a lot about faith connecting us to the wonderful gifts of grace that God has already provided. But hope is that starting place. That's what I believe is going to happen tonight. That maybe you've been in a place of discouragement. And if you have been, this is a good word for you. There's a couple little comments on this sheet that I want to start with. The first one says that a lot of healing is happening during the waiting room time. 
That's going to be the, just the big picture that we're talking about tonight. During that waiting room time, during that time that you're in the process of waiting on the Lord, a whole lot is going on in the, in the spiritual realm that you may not see. A whole lot of healing is going on. And then here are these two points I want to make. These come from Charles Price. It's a book that Pastor Tim shared with me. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I've, do you remember the name of it? The Real Faith for Healing. That's it. It's going to be on a, another resource sheet that I have available for you. It's called The Real Faith for Healing by Charles Price. And this is from that book. Change externally is of necessity often superseded by change internally. Transformed by his spirit in the inner person before the manifestation of the transformation is seen in the outer person. So there's something, God's a big God and he knows the, the right way to do things. He knows the best way to do things. And it's often necessary, this, this change internal is necessary before we're going to see what's going to happen externally in our physical body. And then the second point, often people are looking for the manifestation of God's power from the outside in when his power only operates from the inside out. Okay, I'm going to start by sharing a few testimonies. The first one I'm going to share is a little bit about my testimony of the waiting room time. Most of you already know my story. I was diagnosed with cancer in, a, in January, nine years ago, and I got the all clear in the summer. So there was a six-month period of time of waiting. Then last year in January, I had another issue where I had a lump in my throat, and it was another six-month period between the time that I, the doctor found the lump in my throat, six months later in the summer when I got the all clear. So I've been in that period of waiting. The first time was way different than the second time. The first time that I went through that period, when I started, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't even know him as my Lord. As I went through that six-month time, oh my gosh, what was going on in me? The first thing was spiritual healing in a radical way. I was separated from God. I, if I would have died before, I had, before all this had happened, I would not have been with my Savior for eternity I would have been separated from him for all eternity. I would have been in hell. Now, I was a good person, what I would consider a good person, so I never would have, never would have thought that because I didn't know any different. But I would have been because I had never received Jesus as my Lord. So immediately I had spiritual healing, the biggest, most important healing I could ever have. And then I started growing up spiritually because I was seeking God in a big way, like some other people here that I know. I was seeking God in a major, major way. And so I was starting to grow up spiritually. Things were happening like peace. That's healing. I had fear. I had that oppressive darkness. And then peace. That's healing. I had things in my soul we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. I had healing in my soul, soul wounds, things that had hurt me in a great way that I had taken offense to, that I had built a wall between myself and other people and unknowingly built a wall be between myself and God. He revealed those things to me. And those were resolved, dissolved. As soon as I took the first step, God got right behind me and helped all of that to be resolved. So there was healing in my soul. There was healing in a lot of things in my life. For example, priorities. I was so uh, on, like a, a hamster on a, tread, on a treadmill, running, 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 doing everything that had to be done. And I allowed stress and strife to just you know, way down on me, and I just pushed through it, and I thought, I can do this, you know, the, the type A personality, you know, kind of person, but that part of me was, was changed, and it wasn't on, it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit and God in me. Let me tell you, I like this way better than that way. 
I like, I do the same job. I do the same amount of work, but I do it in a whole different way without all that strife and that stress and that weighing down of the pressures of the world on me. That's all healing, right? And then physical healing, physical healing. I was healed of stage four cancer without treatment. God healed me from the inside out. I plan on walking in divine health every day of my life. But when the enemy attacks, God says there will be tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The enemy will attack. He's attacked me. He's attacked my husband. He's attacked our family. But we know his wiles. We know things that he does. And we say, no, no, no. We're not going to put up with you. Healing is in the process. All kinds of healing. So in that waiting room time, okay, every one of you right now, say this. I'm being healed now. I was healed when Jesus paid the price. And things are happening in me now. That prove it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what's happening in you right now. The proof, the evidence, the answered prayers, the newness of life, the fullness, the, the peace, the healed relationships, the stuff inside of you that's different, that's healing. So no matter where you're at, if you're in that waiting room, God is in the business of healing and he's doing it and he's doing it in a bigger way than you probably even have any idea. I want to share about two of my friends tonight and they both happen to be here and I didn't know they were going to be here. Their name's on my paper, Yvonne and Jerry. It's not on your paper, it's on my paper. <laughs> These are a couple of the people that come to our healing class, and I'm going to share a little bit about each one of them. Because I am so lucky. Kent and I get to see what I'm talking about right now happen before our eyes. We get to see the healing growing up in people and coming out of them. We see it all the time. Yes, we see physical healings, but we see a whole lot more. First person I'd like to share a little bit about is Yvonne. This is Yvonne. Yvonne, stand up. She shared a little bit of her testimony before, but this is Yvonne. Yvonne was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer last August. Stage 3. Stage 3 breast cancer in August of 2010. She started coming to illness recovery in September. Nicole brought her. That's Nicole. You guys probably know Nicole. Thank God for our friends. Thank God for those messengers that take us by the hand and say, come with me. I have something you need to hear. Well, as she came to illness recovery, she was kind of in the place that I was when I came. She had a religious background, but she didn't know a lot about Jesus and about the healer. She probably came like I did, seeking healing. She wanted that problem fixed, but she really didn't realize the way to get the healing was to be introduced to the healer and come to know the healer. Well, let me tell you, this girl is like a superstar, <laughs> a superstar student because she is just on fire for God, on fire for God. I have seen her come to life from the inside out with so many things. Now, she's gotten her good report. She has gotten one good report after another, and I could stand here for 10 minutes and give you amazing step after step after step of her testimony. Everything from a supernatural recovery from surgery, completely supernatural with no pain at all. And it was a radical surgery. She had um, a, a supernatural um, good result with chemo to the, effect, to the point where the doctors were thinking Maybe it wasn't quite working because she wasn't having the side effects they expected because, you know, she should have more side effects. Well, she wasn't having those side effects because God was taking care of her. There was healing going on through the whole process. But she's had one thing after another in her family, with her son, with 
things that have happened to her in her everyday life, like her car <laughs> and many other things. One, and she tells me stories every time I see her, not stories, testimonies to our God and what he's doing, testimonies. And now God's using her in a major way to reach out to other people. The, 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 the truth that's in there is in her heart. You know, she came seeking healing, but the truth of God's word is planted in her heart so much that it has to come out. The Bible says that out of our mouth, our heart speaks. Whatever comes out of our mouth is what's in our heart. It's coming out of her mouth all the time. She can't help it. I mean, look at her. She just smiles all the time. She glows. She wasn't like that when I first met her. That's healing during the waiting room time. That's healing during the waiting room time. Second person I want to share is this guy right here. Jerry and his wife, Mary Lou. Wait, stand up and turn around so they can see you guys because I want them to see your face. This is Jerry and his wife, Mary Lou. Now, they're in the throes of the waiting room right now. Jerry doesn't have a good report yet. Oh, Cindy, what's wrong with you? Of course he has a good report. It's right here. This is his good report. The doctor hasn't confirmed this yet, but he's going to. Right, Jerry? But this is what I've seen in Jerry and Mary Lou. The new life. The new life. When Jerry came in the first time, he came in with his brother and his wife, and he sat there. And he looked at me very skeptically. <laughs> and I just started telling him God's word. You know, it's not me. It's, him, it's, it's God. It's not me. It's his word. And it started just growing and growing and growing and growing in them. And now the first thing they do when they walk in the room is they run to me and they tell me more good news. They did it tonight. More good reports. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them and giving them direction about what to do in situations outside of Jerry's health, in situations to do with their family and with their children and with other things. I have to tell one, one awesome God testimony that um, Jerry shared with me a couple weeks ago. Um, he said, he came to me, he says, you know, Cindy, he says, you tell me I'm healed. And Ralph tells me I'm healed. And I know God tells me I'm healed. But I was talking to God the other day. And, and I talked to God. Now, if I get your story wrong, feel free to, to correct me. But I was talking to God. And I said, God, I could use some confirmation. Well, when he said that, it just tickled me. Because if you've read my book, you know, I had that same conversation with God. He didn't read my book. I asked him, I said, have you read my book? And he said, no. He asked God the kind of the same thing. He says, God, I want some confirmation. I could use that. I could, it would help me. Please, God, give me some confirmation. And in his backyard, he once in a while sees deer in his backyard. And he hadn't seen them in a long, long time. So that's what he asked God for. He said, God, show me some deer. So he got up in the morning and he opened up his blinds, and there were two deer inside of the fenced-in backyard. <laughs> Not outside where he usually sees them. That's kind of how our God is. He's so loving. He's so good. Those deer had jumped over the fence into the backyard, and there were two deer right, right in front of his face. You know, God likes to make things really clear to show you, okay, Jerry, let me show you. Not one, but two. God is a God who loves us so much. They are so filled with zeal. Jerry and his wife have said, Cindy, we never knew any of this. Now that we're, we're coming to know God, now that we're coming to know his promises, there's some, it's just a, a fire in them. That's that healing from the inside out. That's what happens during the waiting room time. But there is a condition. We have the part to play. We have to go to God, right? I know there are other people that have lived through situations where they're fighting something that haven't sought God, and they haven't had those experiences. We have a part to play, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. On the sheet that I gave you, there are four points that we're going to be talking about. The part that we have to play 
And I'm sure there's more than this, but this is what God has given me to share tonight. Number one, look away from all that will distract to Jesus. Would you please open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Hebrews chapter 12. Look away from all that will distract to Jesus. We're talking tonight about the waiting room time, about that time when you are seeking God diligently, when you're pursuing him, and maybe you don't think that he's doing anything yet. I, I would beg to differ. I would beg to disagree. As he hears our prayers and he answers them, you might not see what he's doing, but he's doing it. Hebrews 12, verse 1, and the first part of verse 2. Now, we just shared three testimonies. My testimony, Yvonne's testimony, Jerry's testimony. In Hebrews 11, there's a whole lot more testimonies about faith. And that's what the first line is referring to when it says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. But right now, you can think about Jerry and Yvonne and me. Because that's what we've done. We are witnesses of God's goodness. And we're sharing testimonies to the truth. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So in the first verse is talking about this, this race. That's the waiting room time. The patient endurance, the steadfastness, the, the persistence. That's us. That's us. We're in the waiting room time if we're seeking God. And this is how we do it. Verse 2. By looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the whole picture of faith. We don't have to muster it up on our own. He gives us that faith. It's planted in us when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Now, Pastor Tim shared something a few weeks ago. And when he shared it, I wrote it down in my little journal. And I put a star next to it. And I said, I wrote a note. I said, meditate on this. And I went home and I did. Meditate means that I just pondered it. I talked to myself about it. I thought about it. It was based on scripture. So I went to the scripture and I meditated on it. And this is what Pastor Tim had said. He said that if you are looking at yourself and saying to yourself, do I have enough faith? If you're looking at yourself and questioning whether you're in faith or out of faith, if you're looking at yourself and, and, and thinking, am I doing enough? Then you're looking in the wrong place because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Amen. This scripture says, look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. And then Pastor Tim said, because when you're looking at Jesus, when you're looking at his character, when you're looking at the finished work of the cross, when you come to the knowledge of what he did for us, when he took the stripes on his back, when he died for us so that the enemy was destroyed and defeated, when Jesus, and when we keep our eyes on him and on the finished work of the cross, our faith rises. So as you're in that waiting room time, if you find yourself looking at inward and saying, what am I not doing? That's a little, a little warning signal. Write it down like I did. Write it down like I did and go home. Put it up on your refrigerator and say, am I thinking about me or am I thinking about Jesus? Look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. Meditate on him. Meditate on what he did. Magnify him. 
And your faith will rise. Your faith will rise. He's the author of your faith. He's the finisher of your faith. You don't need to question your faith when you look at Jesus. So that's the first thing that I wanted to share. The second one is to stay connected to strength. Now, I've been in that place where I, I, I wasn't strong. I've been in that place where I've been so weak, I can't pray for myself. I've been in that place where I have been so covered with fear or with depression or with uh, the darkness, oppression of the enemy that I couldn't pull myself out of it. But there's a way. I don't do it on my own strength. There's a way to do it, and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with connecting again to God. The next scripture I would look, like to look at is Isaiah 40. Verse 28 through 31. He is our strength. He is our strength. When you are in that place of weakness, when you are in that place of being faint or growing weary, know that there's an answer and this is it. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power. He gives power to the faint and weary. And to him who has no might, he increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and selected young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. That's the people of the world. Even the strongest men, even the best-shaped Men, women will grow faint and they'll grow weary. But, verse 31, but those who wait for the Lord, we're talking about the waiting room time. Those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who expect, who look for and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. The answer when you're in that weak place is to come close to God, to wait on him. It says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That word wait that word wait in the Amplified, I use the Amplified translation because it talks about what that wait is. It's to expect. It's to hope for. It's to be in that place of great expectation, even when you haven't seen the answer. That's connecting to the strength. And he uses the analogy of the eagle soaring. And again, in the Amplified, it says, like the eagles soar to the sun, we will soar close to God. I want to be close to God when I'm in that place of weakness. I want to be close to him all the time, but especially when I'm in that place where I can't do it on my own, to be connected with him and let him get under your wings. Let him lift you up. Let him take care of you. He gives you the strength. So during that waiting room time, connect to the strength. Connect to the strength. Get this scripture right here. This is one that I declare all the time, that he has given me strength. I wait on the Lord, and he has given me strength. I will soar on eagle's wings. I will run and not grow weary, and I will walk and not grow faint. Get that scripture. Meditate on it. Let God's word and his strength lift you up when you're in need. I'm going to look, read one more scripture about the strength and connecting to strength. And this is in Joshua, chapter 1. After Moses died, Joshua was going to take over. And that was, those were big shoes to fill. This is at the very beginning of the, of the book of Joshua when he was first given this word from God. And he was like, oh, no, God, that's too big of a job for me. 
but God gave him what he needed. Verse 5, this is Joshua 1, verse 5 through 9. First, he, he gives Moses a little bit of direction. He says, he says Joshua, he's giving Joshua direction. He says, Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Friends, put your own name in there. As I was with, I will be with you, Cindy. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, Cindy. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the, to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Three times he said that. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. During that waiting room time. This is for us. It's for us all the time. But right now we're talking about the waiting room time. He starts out when he's encouraging Joshua. He starts out by saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here with you. I'm going to take care of you. That's the first thing he says. And then three times he says, be strong and courageous. And then he gives him a direction. And this is our direction. He tells Joshua to keep the book of the law always on your lips. To keep this word. That's why we, it's so powerful to speak his word out loud. That's why it's so powerful to take his promises for whatever it is that you need and speak them out loud. Keep them on your lips. And he said, meditate on them day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. That's what's happening to you, Mary Lou. You're meditating on the word of God and you're seeing the results. That's what's happening to you, Yvonne. You're seeing the results. That's what's happening to you guys. That's why I just love to see when you come and tell me your stories. That's what's happening. It's God's word coming to life. Meditate on it. And the, the, the result is success, prospering. And then he closes this direction once again by, ask, by saying, be strong and courageous. And then he says, don't be discouraged because God is with you. God is with you. So connect to the strength. Connect to the strength. Do you have a question? Do you know that God has healed you and forgiven you? Everything, past, present, and future. That's good news. When he, when he died on the cross, he completely, completely got rid of every sin, past, present, and future. And you know what? I've done a lot too. How about you guys? Every one of us has. The good news is that God doesn't see it. He doesn't even remember it. They're gone. They're wiped away. Yeah, and you know what God says? God says, God says, it's over, it's done with. God loves you. Can you say that? Say, God loves me. God loves me. Everybody say that. God loves me. Say, God forgives me. Everything. Past, present, and future. Amen. Okay, number three, this is a biggie. 
Use the time that you spend in that waiting room constructively and not destructively. Use that waiting room time constructively and not destructively. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for your strength. Thank you that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Galatians 6 verse 9. We're talking about being strong and being courageous. We're talking about connecting with the strength. We're talking about staying strong, not on our own ability, but on God's closeness and connection with us. And verse 9 says of Galatians 6, Let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. So we just read the Joshua scripture about, about being courageous and strong and about how to meditate on the word and how he's, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. We just read the Isaiah scripture about um, God's going to give us strength and, and we're going to soar on eagle's wings close to him, just like an eagle soars close to the sun. And this scripture says, don't, don't lose don't relax. Don't loosen your hold. Don't disconnect from me, God is saying. And you will reap what you sow. Friends, here we are in the waiting room. You're here tonight. <laughs> That's a good sign. You're here at church on a 95 degree Tuesday night to hear God's word. That's a good sign because you're here connecting to God. That's a good sign. But the Bible says, don't disconnect. Don't just relax your hold because you're going to reap what you sow. So stay connected. And as you sow words of healing, as you sow these, um, the connection and the relationship with God, you're going to reap what you sow. Here's another um, nugget to think about. If you're in a place of being weary, we already talked a little bit about that place. If you're, being, if you're in that place, it could be an indication that you're aimlessly running after the wrong thing. This is another one of Pastor Tim's quotes. I write down a lot of stuff, Pastor Tim, because they're yummy. Whatever you feed on the most will predominate, will predominate in your life. So we're going to talk about that now. Because Galatians 6, 9 says, don't weary, don't grow faint. So we want to talk about if you get weary and if you feel faint... Connect to the power source, but we're also going to talk about in the natural, because you're not always prayer. In prayer, you're not always reading the Bible. You're sometimes out there at work or with your family or shopping or whatever. So what do you do? Where is your focus as you're in this waiting room? This is another Pastor Tim piece that he shared, and I think it was the same night. I was taking notes like mad that night. And it had to do with where your focus is. And I went home and, and was praying about it, and God gave me an analogy of uh, an MRI. You know, when you're in the process of fighting some kind of a disease or some kind of a, something in your body, you go through a bunch of tests. You may have CAT scans, PET scan, MRI, X-ray, blood tests, whatever. But you go to the doctor... They do tests on your body, and they look at the results of those tests, and then they give you a diagnosis, or they, they tell you what possible problems are, right? Okay. Now, we're going to use that analogy in a spiritual way. I'm going to call it the spiritual MRI, okay? The test, the spiritual MRI, is looking inside you spiritually, if, I'm going to give you two extremes, and there's anything in between these two extremes, but I'm going to give you two extremes. If your focus is on the problem, if your focus is constantly on that issue, maybe you're doing a lot of research on that problem that's going on in your body. Maybe you're going on the internet and reading a lot of stuff, going to doctor after doctor after doctor. Maybe you're um, talking about it with lots of people. Because you need a lot of help, so you talk to a lot of people. 
Maybe you don't need a lot of help, but they're talking to you <laughs> and you're letting them. So your focus is talking, talking, talking about the problem, about the symptoms, about the treatment, about how you feel because of the treatment. And that's the focus. The spiritual MRI is, is magnifying the problem. And that's, that's what is showing up on that spiritual MRI is the problem. And that's getting a whole lot of power. Now on the other extreme, the other extreme is focusing on Jesus like we already talked about. The other extreme is doing what you're doing right now and coming to hear what God's word says about healing instead of all doctor stuff. You still need to go to the doctor. I'm not saying not to go to the doctor at all. But as you're in that process, keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on his promises. Be careful about what you're speaking about. You don't need to talk about the problem all the time. You don't need to talk about all the details of the problem. When you need to talk to the doctor, that's fine. But you don't need to talk to everybody all the time about all the stuff and all the details. Talk about God's promises. Talk about what he has for you. And that spiritual MRI, that test, is that's magnifying God. That's magnifying the result. God says you will reap the benefits. You will reap. That's what the scripture says. It says we shall reap. And at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. If you're over in that place, you're going to probably be weary and be relaxing your hold and getting faint. If you're over here in this place, you're connected with God and you're going to have that strength to get you through it. I've seen that happen with Yvonne. I'm seeing it happen with Jerry. I lived through it. It's a spiritual truth. It's a spiritual truth. Hector. That's when you lose your focus, when, the problem, in the, when you're in the midst of the problem, when you're in the midst of it. Okay, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yvonne, what would you do in that circumstance? Just a sec. This is in my notes, but I'm going to let her tell it. How do you turn this thing on? Try that. I don't know how to turn it on. When I was losing, uh, turning to the problem, I actually figured it out when I listened to somebody talking about God, I couldn't think about anything else. So I put um, my iPad on, and I listened about teachings for six to eight hours a day. She found good teachings. She found good teachings. The very next thing on my little notes here says, what do you do during that waiting room time? What do you fill your time with? What are you filling your mind and your heart and your soul with? So in those times, there's, there's a couple of things. The one is what she just said, what Yvonne just said. It's really hard to keep those thoughts of fear or those thoughts of the symptoms or what could those symptoms be out of your brain when it's in your body and you're feeling it. What she did is awesome. She put on headphones. First of all, she downloaded Andrew Womack. I know because I know her. And Andrew Womack is an amazing, amazing teacher. And she just put him in her ears and listened six to eight hours a day. Okay. Okay. Good point. I did too. I kept working the whole time I was fighting it. So I would, when I was able to, I would, I would do what she did. And I couldn't do it 24-7. But I did when I was able. The other thing that really helped me, the last time, the last year, six months ago when I had the issue, and I was fighting the fear and I was fighting the what is, the what ifs and all that garbage that the enemy tried to put in me, I did two things. One was meditated on the love of God. Because I found when I came to that place of, of receiving his love in a very personal way, I knew he was good, and I knew there was no other option but good result. So I meditated on the love of God, and I would literally do just what I did with this young man. I would say to myself, God, you love me. 
you love me. I would walk around my house saying, God, I know you love me. You're so good. You have only good to give. There's nothing bad from you. You are above the enemy. You are above this lump in my throat. I know that you have good for me. And I just meditated on his love. So that's one thing I did. And the other thing I did was I put on praise and worship music. I would put on my CDs and I would be really, I closed my blinds. I did that right before I came here because I was praising God and my neighbor was in the side yard. So I closed my blinds because if he saw me, he would think I was nuts. Close my blinds and I praise God with all my heart. I sing to the Lord. I praise God. I worship him because you know what? All that junk can't inhabit your praises. God inhabits your praises. So praising God, speaking his word or having that word fed into your ear gates, meditating on his love. On the back table, Kent put out a list of resources, and Pastor Tim approved these. Not tonight, but I gave them, I emailed them to you months ago. I was putting together a list of resources for our illness recovery. I wanted something to give people that was good to feed on. Because not everything that's out there is good to feed on. You have to be careful about what you're listening to and what you're, what you're taking in. So I put together a list of resources, some things that are on TV, some things that you can download from the computer and listen to, good CDs to listen to, and they're on a sheet of paper back there. God, that's, that's on the list. And, and Jerry's talking about the little, the little pocketbooks so that you can pray God's word and it's very accessible. So that was... The, the, the point that I wanted to make is that it's important to have the right stuff feeding you. Pastor Tim has, has mentioned before, sometimes when we're in that place of, of weakness or, or not feeling well, your tendency is to want to lay on the couch and watch TV. Got to be careful about what you're putting in. There's a lot of good stuff on TV but you need to be careful about what it is. Nicole. One day, if I can share this, Yvonne, when um, right before Yvonne was about to go into surgery, she said, I need prayer. And I said, okay. And at first I was like, okay, come Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what's been going on, Yvonne? And she just started to share all the good things that God was doing for her. And she felt so much better just sharing all the good things that God. were going on already yes. and all the good things he had already done. And it and built we, her up. Yes. And we did close in prayer, but acknowledging God, it was huge. I think that helped, yes. you know, even more so than the prayer yes. at the end. Yes. It just, yes. Hear she, that? Acknowledge, get out that journal. I talk about all the journal all the time. Get out that journal where you've written down all the awesome things God has done and look at it when you're in the midst of a battle. Say, God, you did that for me last week or two weeks ago or two years ago, whenever it was. You know, and just meditate on what he's done awesome in your life. And it doesn't have to just be about your physical body. It can be about the deer in the backyard or about what's happened you know, at the grocery store or the favor that you've gotten in, in different parts of your life. Okay, I do want to close. So I'm going to go to my last point. This is number four. Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. God is the potter, and we are the clay. The clay doesn't do anything to itself. The potter does it. Sometimes we think, I think, we believe we need to mold ourselves. We need to do it ourselves. That's not God. He does it. For us. This is Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Jerry, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. 
Put your own name in there. It's the, the word that's in there is Israel. But I put my own name in there. In the midst of whatever it is that we're going through, during this waiting room time, during that waiting room time, God is molding us. He's taking care of us. And if we're broken, he doesn't throw us away. That clay, if it's not a good piece of clay, if it's not turning out the way that the potter desires, he doesn't pitch it and get another lump. He takes that same lump of clay and he reshapes it and he reforms it until it is a beautiful vessel. And that's what he's doing in us. Though our vessel may be broken, he doesn't throw it away. With tenderness and love, he reshapes us and imparts himself to us as our healing in our spirit and our soul and our body. Isn't that good? He's the potter, we're the clay. That healing, that healing that's taking place during the waiting room time is healing us, spirit, soul, and body. When you walk out of here tonight, no matter where you're at in your journey, know that God is healing you. He's already healed you in many, many parts of your life, your spirit, your soul, or your body. He's got this amazing plan. He doesn't ever answer, or I shouldn't say ever, but usually in my case, he doesn't answer the prayers the way that I think he should or that I would have planned and his way is always so much better than mine Cindy I just wanted to ask you did you um, receive the Lord before you got your healing yes I did yes I, I was diagnosed uh, with stage 4 I received the, my Lord 4 days later a friend introduced me to Jesus it was so precious. She, all she said to me was, are you saved? And I said, of course I'm saved. I do this, 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 and this, which I wasn't. And she said, do you want to be sure? And she led me in a prayer of salvation. Yeah, that's, that's when this whole thing started. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Tim, I'm done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Turn me off.